Dillon, up ahead, Winston. No one near him. And he's going to come out with it. And Michigan State is headed to the plus. Hello, everybody. You're listening to a new episode of Spartan Crazies with Ryan and Tim. Today, we're going to talk about football, um, the signing day just happening, and a bunch of transfers, and then literally breaking news like 20 minutes ago with the coaching staff. Not the news that I wanted, but uh, and uh, we're going to go talk some basketball and uh, preview the Michigan game. So we're going to start out with football real quick. I've got kind of a list here of stuff to talk about. So to start out. I'm going to go – we're going to talk transfer portal. So, Michigan State brings in a decent amount of players. A lot of these guys are walk-ons. Um, Michigan State did some interesting stuff. They took some in-state kids as walk-ons that could play at Power 5 schools um, or were at Power 5 schools, and they wound up walking on to MSU. And the thing with that is they can use NIL with these kids. So, I mean – not being on scholarship isn't that big of a deal, and then they can obviously come back home and play at a Power 5 school, so that's a positive. Um, so uh, MSU, first off, takes a walk-on. I'm going to botch this dude's name. Adamola Fali, uh tight end to walk-on from North North Norfolk State. He was actually uh, Samson Okunlola's uh, cousin, He's not on he's not on scholarship, so I don't doesn't bother me. Another walk on tight end linebacker Jalen. Uh, he might wind up playing at linebacker, but he played tight end at Wisconsin. Jalen Franklin. He's from Michigan. He's a walk on, so that's one of those kids I was talking about. Um, corner Samar Melvin from Wisconsin. Uh, I think he has like two years left, uh, so he might play. Obviously, because corners are not a great in a great spot on the roster. Uh, they got a kicker, Jonathan Kim from North Carolina. So let's hope – I doubt he can be any worse than anybody we had this past year. So the bar set kind of low. So there's that. Uh, running back, Nathan Carter from UConn. He's on scholarship. I think he had about – I think he had three, four years left. I th- think he's going to be pretty good. Um, I'm not – I think he's going to be the guy that splits carries with Berger this year. So uh, – Keep an eye out for him. Uh, grad transfer, defensive end, Jared Jack, defensive tackle, Jared Jackson from Florida State. Uh, he's kind of a death piece. Don't I don't really expect him to be like some like big time player, uh, but he can be like play like a Drew Jordan role. Hopefully, as a better pass rusher. Um, linebacker Aaron Alexander. He's uh, from Michigan. He's a he's going to be a walk on. He's coming from UMass. He was committed to Michigan. And then they processed him late in the process, and he wound up at UMass, and now he's transferring back home, and he's going to play at MSU. So, uh, A name familiar to MSU fans, Jared Mangum from South Florida, running back, obviously Jaden's brother. Uh, Jaren's going to be a walk-on. Uh, he's He was in Mel Tucker's class at Colorado, actually, so uh, they obviously have a big history there. Um 
Defensive lineman Dre Butler from Liberty. Grad transfer, I believe he has two years left. Um, this one is the big name. I am still somehow going to botch his name. Uh, defensive lineman Tumnus Adele, Adele uh, from Texas A&M. He was a former five-star recruit. Um, big name. MSU had to beat up Miami for him. A uh, bunch of schools wanted him. So that was a huge win for Brandon Jordan. Uh and the last one is Tiny O'Hopper from Boise State, tight end. Uh, he's a grad transfer, and he will be on scholarship. So those are the guys coming in from the portal and the guys out. Other than one name here, I wasn't really that disappointed with any of these guys leaving, and we'll get to that in a second. Jack Stone obviously transferred. Uh, I don't know if he's actually going to wind up playing football, um, but yeah. Uh, this one is the one that stung. Jeremy Bernard, wide receiver, obviously was a big-time recruit. Winds up going back to Washington. So MSU will actually play against him this fall. Uh, so that's is he great. from there? Uh, he's from Vegas, I think. So he's from out west. But this was the, the case where he committed there, uncommitted, came to us, now he's going now back. Now he's going back, yeah. <clears throat> Do you have any read on that situation at all? Like, uh, is it MSU-related or is it I think it's related? a mixture of both. I think it's a mixture of both. I think MSU kind of – he didn't play as much as he wanted to. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it sucks, but I'm not – I'm not going to lose my mind over it. I was pissed off when it happened, but, I mean, it is what it is now. I'm asking the questions from somebody who knows nothing. Why do you think he didn't play as much as he would have liked? Maybe he didn't get everything down right. I, I don't know. You don't he, know on the I surface? I honestly have no idea. Okay. I don't know. Um, defensive end Michael Fletcher obviously didn't really live up to expectations here. Transfers to Appalachian State. Uh, these next two guys are guys I wouldn't have mind mind having. Uh, I kind of wish they would have stuck around, but I'm not going to be super. Ups- I'm not super upset they left. Uh, defensive tackle Jalen Hunt can't stay healthy. Was solid when he was healthy, but uh, he still has not want. He's hasn't committed anywhere yet. Uh, Deshaun Mallory, defensive tackle, also has not committed anywhere yet. Uh, Chase Carter, defensive end, was a fr- true freshman this year, didn't play. Uh, not really a huge loss. Uh, Kobe Myers, for- walk-on linebacker, leaving, not a huge deal. Carson Castile, linebacker, was a, I think it was his redshirt freshman year this year. Again, not losing my mind over him. And uh, Tate Halleck, who... Defensive back, he was just honestly a depth piece, hit the portal the other day. So, all right, let's get into the signees for the 23 class. Uh, by Job, obviously the big name uh, from Oklahoma, four-star defensive end. Uh, he's got some filling out to do, but he's gonna. I think he's going to be a really good player. Uh, defensive lineman Jalen Thompson from Cast Tech, a four-star recruit. Obviously, Michigan State was recruiting him for a long time, winds up at MSU. Uh, Andrew DePape, four-star defensive end from Iowa, big-time recruit, had a bunch of offers everywhere. Uh, big pull for Brandon Jordan. Uh, Brandon Parachek, tight end from Michigan. He's a four-star, had a bunch of offers, uh, was the first commit of the 23 class, so he's been on board for a long time. This one, to me, is the biggest biggest deal in this class. Uh, offensive tackle Stanton Ramil from Four-star from Alabama, had offers from all over the country. Teams tried to flip him white, and he wound up sticking with Michigan State and signed on 
early signing day. So I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be a stud and possible NFL, future NFL player. Um, interior offensive lineman Cole Dellinger, he's a four-star for Michigan. Uh, obviously, his brother plays at LSU. Um, I like him. I think he can move around on the in- interior. I think he's going to wind up at center in the, at the, end, in the end, though. So um, definitely guy to keep an eye out on. Four-star defensive back, Chance Rucker from Texas. He sounds like a guy that could play early, so keep an eye out for him. Running back, Jalen Barberin, three-star from California. Dude has blazing speed, runs like a 10.37 100-yard dash, so he is a burner. Guy who could, you know, maybe see the field a little bit this year. Quarterback, Sam Leavitt, four-star from Oregon. MSU flipped him late from Washington State. Uh, MS Washington kind of pushed for him late, and he decided to uh, still flipped MSU. So big pull there late in the game. Uh, Defensive back Sean Brown's a three-star from California. They flipped him from Arizona. Uh, Big – this guy I think is a future captain. Uh, Linebacker Jordan Hall, four-star from Florida. Uh, Captain – he's a captain on IMG's team, so – uh, big leadership qualities there. Juco, this one to me is one of the biggest ads in this class regarding a immediate impact. Juco offensive lineman Keyshawn Blackstock, he's a four star. Uh, he's transferred from uh, Coffeeville, uh, Juco from Kansas. So I think he's a guy that can start right away. Um, wide receiver Jalen Smith is three star from Texas. MSU kind of. Got in on him late in the late in the process uh, and had some Power Five offers. So, uh, corner Eddie Pleasant, three star from Florida. I think Auburn or Florida State was trying to flip him, and he wound up sticking with MSU. So, big, nice to keep him in the class. Um, Isaiah uh, Johnson, three star from Virginia, had offers from like Virginia Tech and some other schools. Uh, wide receiver, and he's good. He's the last guy on this list, um, MSU hasn't fired anybody yet, but we kind of had some breaking news like literally 30 minutes ago. Marco Coleman is apparently going back to Georgia Tech, which kind of sucks. Um, the defensive line coach came here last year. Uh, recruits seem to like him. He's a good recruiter. I'm interested to see what they do. They might promote uh, Kevin Vickerson and just give him the full-time job, which I wouldn't that be that upset with because – Obviously, he's. I mean, he's mentioned by recruits as well, and he is an MSU alum. Uh, seems to be. He seems to do a good job with the defensive linemen. So, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets promoted, and I'd be okay with that. So, keep an eye out for that. And uh, on the twenty seventh of December, uh, twenty twenty four, defensive back Jalen Thompson from Florida committed to MSU. So. 2024 class is off to a pretty good start so far with Nick Marsh, uh, Jalen Thompson, and, uh, God, kids. Well, I, I, I forgot the kid's name, but they got another four-star defensive back from, I think four, I think they have, they have two four-star defense, defensive backs from Florida committed for 2024. So that's all I've really got for football. Um, I guess we can get into the big stuff with basketball. So, Tim, go ahead. Before we get there, I have to ask you some questions. Two of them specifically. Um, 
I saw a lot of hype on Twitter for Sam Levitt. Mm-hmm. Levitt. My question for you is, when you personally see like QBs in the mix, and let's just say not like a five star, because everyone gets excited about right. a five star. Let's just say a four star. You know, gonna possibly a guy who can play. What are you? Why are you excited? It because let I know a lot of people are excited for Hauser. Um, if Hauser is amazing. You might never see Levitt play. And that's fine. I, I don't really have a problem with that because you just want to get talent in the room. It doesn't matter. To and me. explain why. Because the competition, you just want the best guy. I mean, so, look at Alabama. They get five, four or five-star recruits every single year in the quarterback room. And, yeah, guys transfer out. That's the way it is nowadays. But you just want to get guys in that can play. So better backups means your starter is going to be like it's gonna get pushed playing more. harder. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Um, I mean – I understand that. Everyone knows like a better practice squad is good for like, a team. I, I, either Caden Hauser or Sam Levitt is not going to end their career at Michigan State. I think that's pretty obvious. Okay. So when people are excited about quarterbacks, this is all understood. This right. is like, well, it's only going to be one guy. I just – you have to understand from my perspective of basketball, that seems kind of weird. Like excited that a guy is joining that you might never see play. You know what I mean? That feels strange. It's different when you have 80, like 85 yeah. scholarships. Well, I just wanted to kind of yeah. understand it from your point. <clears throat> because I, if, there, if I'm wondering this, somebody's wondering. Right, no, for sure. Um, and I know there's probably a bunch of people who are listening like, how, how do I know so little? I mean, I'm not a diehard. Like, like football has so many guys on the roster. Right. You know what I mean? It, it's, there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of complexity in the sport itself and – the recruiting cycle, which is just wild in comparison to probably any other sport. Um, anyway, um, second question. In your gut, and try to be objective here. Mm. Like, let me give you an example. From basketball season last season, where they lost to Duke in the round of 32, to, in, to the summer before this season. If you ask me off the record with, uh, you know, we're having beers, I would say there's not a lot for me to think that they're going to – be so much better for sh- for some reason than the previous year. <clears throat> In those terms, like how are you feeling about football next season so far? I mean, it's kind of hit or miss. I I just don't I don't know what to expect. I it's I I if Caden Hauser starts, I'm feeling much better about next year. Um, I think the offensive line is going to be better as they're going to they're going to have younger guys. I I mean, I think seven eight wins. Like right now, I think is what people are most people are expecting. But I look at the schedule and I see it's set up where you could win ten games if things fall the right way. Um, I don't think that's insane. Uh, obviously, we have to see how things go with the portal. You know, coaching changes. There's plenty of stuff that can play out. But I think seven to eight wins is the pretty is the pretty consensus expectation going into next season. As of right now. <clears throat> okay. Um, and how do you feel about that? Like, it, They got to compete in 2024 is how I look at it. If, if they're not competing with almost every, with everybody in the conference at that point, then there's problems, in my opinion. Okay. Um, let's say next season ended yesterday. They won seven games. I'm not super excited about it, but I'm, I can live with it. Hmm. Um, the only reason I say that, that I feel curious about that answer is I feel 
like people were all saying by the end of 2023, like if this 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 hasn't happened, like there's a huge issue. I don't know if that's fair when you look at. I'm sure I said the same thing, uh, but I don't know if that was exactly fair when you look at the roster that he was left. We, I mean, we saw it this year. It wasn't very good. Uh, he got left mostly a pile of junk. So You want to see the roster like slowly becoming better? Right. Does it feel like that? There's a lot of turnover. You got to see this year. I think that's going to be the only way we know. I, I don't know yet. That's, I mean, we'll see this season. So it's not going to be a gr- like a fantastic season unless we're pleasantly surprised. Right. But – you want to see, like, the promise of something. Yeah, like, or you're going into 2024 and saying, okay, this team could compete for the big time. Well, in my opinion, which is pretty, you know, simple, I feel like the only way you get that the end of next season is if you have a clear number one quarterback. Quarterback, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, and I mean that literally. That's the only way you feel that way. Right. So everything is on this quarterback now. Absolutely. I mean, that's a very... All that and offense. We're now. simplifying it. We're watering it down. But, like... If there isn't a clear number one QB by the end of next season where you're like, this is the guy that he will be starting day one next right. year, that's a humongous that's a problem. issue. Yeah, well, like, we should monitor that. Yep. Like, that should be the number one headline for us all, next all of next season. Yep. Um, I know, again, we're simplifying it. There's a lot more to a football team, you know, second, third line. Um, I mean, the offensive line, defensive line is way more important than the quarterback, in my right. opinion. But if you don't have what we're saying by the end of next season, I feel like you don't have a team, like a a, a contender All in right. the conference. No, so, true. I don't know. That's just food for thought. I want to keep it realistic. I don't want us to just come on here and be like, well, we're going to be amazing. Um, you know, I've said it a million times. You have to have bad seasons, bad times for the good times to really, like, hit. Right. Um, so, whatever. So, let's transition into uh, the basketball's uh, – Season, I suppose. Big Ten's underway. Um, you know, the holidays came around. Ryan and I were having trouble um, really getting a time. We figured, let's wait and see what this team is all about. Recording right before Nebraska, I felt would have been stupid because I there was way too much, like, of my opinion riding on that game. They're, the easiest stretch of MSU season, they win five games straight. That is... You, they took they took care of the business they had to take care of, check done, got some guys back. I wouldn't venture to say that Malik Hall's totally healthy. Um, he's he's even said in his um, you know when they've asked him in interviews that he's really kind of shy about going for rebounds right now. And I've been there. Like you're thinking, I come down weird. This could all reset. I'm miss you know I'm out for however long. It's a mental game at that point, and that's that that's not great. I don't, I'm not going to say he can't get out of that. Of course he can. But you, I don't think you have 100% Malik Hall yet. And he's not starting. So that tells you all you need to know, basically. Um, but let's talk about Malik Hall and his impact. Last time we talked, Ryan, I was extremely adamant that just with what we've seen without Malik Hall, just not a good basketball team. Well, we've now seen two games where they do have him, albeit not as a starter, not as a quote 100%. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, he's clearly a senior. He's clearly an organizer. Um, he brings a level of maturity that you can't really teach. It's just something that you learn through experience. 
Um, also, it's, it's a type of player too. You know, there are seniors who play amateur, sure. Um, but, you know, when the ball comes to Malik, he's making the, the defense guess. He's, you know, a, a shooting threat. So if, if they're... If they're second-guessing uh, he's going to go into the lane, he could just pull up. There was an interesting tidbit from uh, Dane Fife, who, as you all know, called the game and was also a Michigan State assistant for a long time. Um, it was really interesting having him on the call with all the sort of insider info he could provide. Um, he said that he talked to Malik, and this I thought was fascinating, Ryan. Since he had a foot injury... He was limited in the, the kind of things he could actually work on basketball-wise. But you can work on your your stroke, your jump shot, just standing there. You can work on the mechanics of your stroke all day and night with a broken foot. Or, well, it wasn't broken, but hurt foot. Maybe stress fracture? I guess you could make an argument it's broken. Um, so Fife said that his jump shot looks really good. And he you know, didn't really miss a beat in that game against Buffalo where he came back. I felt that... He had 11 points in 12 minutes or something. I felt that if he was like 100% and played the whole game, he could have scored 30. Like, the the maturity, the organization, the just sort of confidence that he brings on the floor. Like, oh, I know if this guy gets by me, like, this person's going to be here. Because everything's all kind of connecting. It's not just me saying what everyone wants to hear. I noticed the second he got hurt in that Alabama game, defense was all out of sorts. Then, surprisingly, he comes back and less guys are just totally missing a switch. Or, like, I don't know, they're both jumping out on a, on a shooter. And it happens so many times where you're just like, this is embarrassing. This is horrible. Well, now you've got that sort of fixed all of a sudden. And fixed in quotes because there's going to be uh, momentary lapses. But um, all of a sudden, they look way more mature because they've got a senior out there. He's also a captain. Um, the shooting, MSU, I mean, they're, they're not a defensive team that's going to kill you on the boards. Not this group. This group can just, like, shoot the lights out of the ball. That's what their identity is, in my opinion. You take a look at the game against Nebraska last night. This is my, this is my issue, Ryan. They had, like, 14 points in the paint. Nebraska had, like, 34-plus. Um they weren't, they're not really getting inside of the big man. Jackson Kohler did have, you know, a nice offensive game. But they're really not feeding the big man. What they're going to mostly is they're whipping the ball around the perimeter, trying to find the guy inside. But when they, they can't do that, they just run a ball screen. And that guy uh, goes, the guard with the ball who goes around the screen, either takes a shot or finds a dude open the last second who takes a three. It's ending in a jump shot like in a every dime. And when <clears throat> they finally do get the ball into um, Jackson Kohler, either he gets doubled or he's so far off the block that he has to just pass it back out. There's very little production inside. And yesterday, I don't know how many free throws they took, but it was a super low number. I mean, I could have the, <laughs> I could just pull up the stats. Two. Um, two. Oh, at least before garbage time, I think it was two. Um, it's not like, in my opinion, uh, MSU took six, six. because in the end they were, they were taking a few. Um, it's not like winning basketball, a bunch of jump shots. You know why? Cause the night where you guys can't hit, 
you're not going to win the game. It's really simple. You also have to play defense. I'll get to that. There's a cool stat I posted on Twitter. Kind of a fun, maybe meaningless stat, but fun. Um, MSU is very reliant on jump shooting right now, Ryan, and that scares me. Now, they are a very good jump shooting team. So maybe that is just good for them. But, like, it doesn't matter. The most high percentage shots in the in the game are around the rim. Dunks are the best shot in the whole game. And we're not getting any of those. Um, you know, if you just run a thousand trials, like the team that, like a, <clears throat> a, a let's say Purdue, for instance, where they're getting a ton of production out of the post, that's more... Um, guaranteed points. That's more efficient. And there's a reason why Michigan State is 42nd on Ken Palm, 45th in adjusted efficiency on offense, 50th on adjusted efficiency on defense. Now, big asterisk there. They're missing maybe their most important player um, for half of the sample size so far. Um, I want to shout out uh, one of my favorite follows on Twitter McMasketball, and I didn't um, just slur the words there. Uh, it's actually McMathketball, like mathematics. He posted a fun stat. I'm trying to find it here. Essentially, it's the Bart Torvik ranking for um, MSU with and without Malik Hall, which I don't, I'm not sure if that's something you can pull up using Bart Torvik, but he provided it. And essentially, if you include last night's game, um, the difference in Bart Torvik's ranking of Michigan State, um, and this is all hypothetical based on the sample size, based on with and without him, MSU, 14th best team in the country with Hall, 91st without. Now, keep in mind, again, the sample size there's a competition basis here. Um, but this is a fact. MSU's lost one game where MS, or Malik Hall played. And it was by one to Gonzaga on a boat. <laughs> um, so maybe there's something there. Now, all I can tell you what I know for certain, Ryan, is there's no way that a team is 80 spots better because of the absence of a player, unless he's like meaningful. You know what I mean? There's no way that that's just variance. Right. That it's just kind of like a coincidence. Um, they're significantly better on defense with Malik Hall. Now offense, they are still better, but it's the defensive end. And I think that matches up what we've been saying this whole time. Because in the same graphic that McMathketball posted, they're 18th in the country on D. And Torvik, 139th um, on D with, without Malik Hall. He is their defensive quarterback. And we saw it. It wasn't just teams were going off. Because I, I feel like Michigan State fans love to say, like, oh, of course they hit every shot. That does happen. But if you're guarding them like crazy, if they can't breathe, they don't hit every shot, Ryan. I'm just telling you straight up. Um, there's no coincidence here. Michigan State, they need Hall. They need him healthy. And while I think Jaden Akins is going to have a 
fantastic career at State. I don't think the absence of Aikens is anywhere in comparison to the absence of a captain senior. Um, and we're seeing it in the numbers. We're seeing it on the court. The second Malik comes in, so many new uh, windows open. He can go to the basket just with the ball in his hands from the perimeter. So they have to guard him 1v1. If they help, he can kick it out. MSU is a really good basketball or a really good basketball team. They're a really good <laughs> shooting team. So that's, that's an issue. Malik Hall, they can post him up on a smaller guy. Um, and he could score those all day. They, you saw it at the end of the game. I don't remember the, the name of the Rutgers player off the top of my head. But they were uh, finding him in the post and he was getting... Morier. No, that, he plays for Rutgers. Go for Morier. Did I say Rutgers? Yeah. I meant Nebraska. No. They're both red. <laughs> we didn't play. I think you're talking about the Purdue game. Um, or whatever. Who, who they played? Yeah, they beat Purdue. Omar Rui is how they say it on the broadcast. He is a freaking freak. He's a monster. I, I um, am scared. He's, like he's very good. Do we only play Rutgers? We played them, twice. At, we played them at MSG. So not in Jersey Mike's. No. Okay, that is honestly amazing yeah, because we were MSU plays Rutgers at the rack. Now Jersey Mike, they're going to the rack. destroy us. <laughs> I. I tweeted, I think Rutgers can win the Big Ten. I believe that. Yeah. And I've, and we're talking about Rutgers here. I know this. I've watched good. their basketball team. They are very good. I've not seen Michigan State play at that level. Yeah, they are really good. I mean, and they just beat Purdue at Mackey. They're so. legit, man. They almost won at Ohio State. They should have won at Ohio yeah, they State. They got screwed. I mean, they said they got screwed. Um, anyway, we're going on a tangent. Uh, Nebraska. Keep in mind they're 88th on Ken Palm. It's not like they're one of the top Big Ten teams. By but the way, the guy you were thinking about was Derek Walker, I'm pretty sure. Did he post on him? Okay, maybe. I was thinking it was their four guy. I can't remember his the name. white dude? I can't remember his I, I know who you're no, talking about. No, it was like Not the goggles Grizzle. guy. Oh, Waldendorf? <laughs> I'm really probably butchering this. Bre- his name was like Wilhelm Breidenbach. There we go. Yeah, him. The white okay, the so goggles maybe, guy. So maybe it was on him. But all that being said... Malik Hall opens up a couple of avenues offensively. You're seeing the numbers. They're way better on defense. Now, here's a stat for you, and this is the one I posted. Five straight games for Michigan State, keeping their opponent under 70. Now, the pessimist will say, well, this is the easiest stretch of their season. Look at the, look at the games in question. Penn State, Oakland, um, Buffalo. I'm missing one in there. Brown. Brown, and then now Nebraska. Yeah, but... Tell me, Ryan, they've had pretty similar stretches in past years. Why is it, why is it that this is the first five-game stretch since 2018-19 season, which was a wildly successful year? And, and by no means is that this team. But I don't think that they um, you know, had a comparable timing of injuries, yada, yada. Um, <clears throat> I think that there's probably something to it. Now... Do I think MSU is like some lights-out defensive team? No. But, and this is the important part. Did you see Madi Sissoko last night? He, he fouled out. He's not, he's not like really productive on the post at all. The fact that he turns around and like does a hanging jump shot instead of has tried no hook at all, that's curious to me. But there's probably a reason. But Madi Sissoko, he has a, a very long wingspan. And... 
I'm could be misspeaking. I'm pretty sure that he maxed out the vertical machine, which means like his hands can jump really high. That probably has something to do with the fact that um, it's a little harder to score around the rim for Michigan State, uh, Michigan State opponents. Think about the past two years. Who were the guys protecting the rim? It was Julius Marble. Marcus Bingham. He was now, good. He was, he was good, good, except he really wasn't playing that much until just last right. season. Um, <clears throat> we had Kithier. I'm missing somebody here. Man. Bingham, Marble, Kithier, and I guess Sissoko, those are the guys. There's somebody missing, but um, I think that there's something to it. After watching last night's game, you saw it against uh, Oscar Shibwe. Mm. He, no, he's not lights out, but Mani makes it tough at the very least. He's, it's not easy to score on him, and when they do, it's usually like, a pretty nice, like, contested shot. Like, well, give it to him. He, you know, that was a great shot. Um, the guards, Jaden Akins, I think, I, I don't know the stat off the top of my head, so forgive me. He was something like plus 16 last night. How many points did Jaden Akins have last night? He didn't score a ton, I don't think. He had nine. Nine, which he's probably averaging around there, yeah. to be honest. I don't know. They don't have averages like that on Ken Palm, but, um, there's no reason that Akins with nine points would be plus 16 other than complete luck or he's good defensively. He's, he's good defensively. And I think that checks out. Izzo says he's a great uh, guard in terms of defensively. And I, just seeing him athletically, like it's hard to be quicker and more explosive than him. Now, if they have some size on him, that's a different story. But Jaden Akins, I think he's a great defender. Um, Tyson Walker, I mean, he's, he's all over the place, uh, defensively. He is a little smaller. Sometimes he gets taken to the rack. Um, you know, and that's, that's probably one of the reasons he didn't, he wasn't a power six, you know, recruit right out of the gate. But, um, you know, he had his defensive accomplishments in, in the, um, at Northeastern in that conference. So he's in no slouch. We talked about Madi. I Jackson Kohler is not a good defender. Um, Trey Holloman. He had a quiet night offensively. And it says he only played eight minutes, which is kind of surprising to me. It felt like more, but I guess that's right. Um, he's a pretty good athlete. And I feel like he can guard decently. And now that they have Malik Hall keeping people actually in position, these guards are in the right spot. They're already good defenders. It's not going to hurt them being, you know, organized. So I don't think that they're lights out defensively. I mean, Ken Palm has them as 50th, an adjusted defense. But um, five straight games, keeping their opponent under 70. If they haven't done that since 2018-19, that's very good. Because 2019-20, that was a pretty good team as well. They had Xavier Tillman on them, on their team. And... And they didn't accomplish that. I mean, they probably got to four or something like multiple times, but um, I think it's a good sign. All that being said, what do I make of this team now that uh, you know Hall's back? I really want to see them play some better teams. I think Saturday's a, a good start for like proving to me that they can play. 
there is a lot to like. And Rafael Davis, who who's an analyst on uh, BTN, also probably remember him from when he was actually a player in the conference. Played at Purdue. Yeah, which means we loved him. Um, he said that he thinks that Michigan State can make a run. And, you know, while he may be wrong, I really do appreciate, like, the the very recent players' opinions, like Robbie Hummel, who most consider an incredible analyst. Um, like, if he thinks that they've got the pieces to make a run at it, that makes me feel good. I think the eye test sort of backs it up. MSU just... Finally got their first 20-point win um, against Buffalo. And they should have had another last night. Were you thinking about it? It's a running theme here. We want them to win by 20 or more because it's a stat that indicates success. Um, It also helps. I mean, if you're a good defensive team and good offensive team, you're going to get more 20-point wins, um, 20-point-plus margins of victory. Anyway... I am very optimistic now that Hall is back. Um, if MSU were to lose on Saturday, I think I would really, you know, be depressed. In not terms of, well, yeah, we lost to Michigan, but more of like, oh, this team isn't actually good. That's what I would be thinking. Not, we lost to Michigan at the Breslin. That would hurt. It's this team, oh, we suck. Um, and I guess that's a good transition because... It's it's rivalry week. I mean, we could have done something a little more, um, you know, theatric for the Michigan like pod, but I think everybody knows what it is. Michigan just had a horrific home loss to Central, and then they went and destroyed Maryland. What do we make of that? It's really hard to say. Um, I don't. I have been saying from probably the second week of the season. I don't think they're going to make the tournament. So. I'm sticking with that. That win was big for them just because of, like, efficiencies. It's going to help their net rating and stuff. Um, so, I don't know. It. I watched some of that game. Like, I'm sure Michigan was playing good. I don't know. I don't watch enough Michigan to, like, say how great this guy's playing versus, like, last game or something. But, I mean, Maryland couldn't hit the broad shot. side of a oh. barn. I mean, uncontested. So... Sometimes that's the way she goes. Um, Ken Palm has Michigan State winning by four. While Michigan State's 42nd, Michigan is 46th on Ken Palm. They jumped like 20 spots. Yeah, they just had a huge jump because of that Maryland win. It's funny um, what a 30-point win against a conference opponent will do for you. But, um, you know, Michigan State hasn't beaten anybody by 30 points. So I've got to give them credit there. They held a... Big Ten team under 50. Got to give them some credit there. Um, I think basically Ken Palm's just given Michigan State the home win here. Like the the home five-point bonus. And I do think that the home, um, the home advantage is the difference in this one. Maybe not the only difference. Because I, I wouldn't be surprised that MSU won by 20. Yeah, I me mean, either. I think, they, I think they should win this game by double digits, to be completely honest with you. I kind of agree with you. But by like 20, that means like it was our day and, right. and they probably weren't hitting a lot of shots. Which we've seen a lot. I mean, it's Michigan. You've been to a bunch of these games. Every seat basically is going to be full. full yep. Student section. They're going to be 
They're going to be ready. If there's any game of the year that these students want to go to and be crazy for, this is the one. That's why it's a rivalry. That's why it's fun. That's why it's hard to win at your rival. And that's why it would be a huge, huge disappointment if Michigan State were to lose. Um, in terms of matchups, I you know, I think the big glaring one is Michigan's best player is, is Hunter Dickinson. Been running his mouth a bunch. Michigan State fans love interacting with what he says on the timeline. Basically, though, I don't think he's any different from the second he showed up to Michigan. He's just been he's the, same the same guy player, all around. Yeah. He's like sort of sneaky, dirty. He can, he, and he can, he's kind of like he can a, shoot a little bit better than. That. Yeah, say. but I mean, like in terms of his like how he acts. Oh, he's the same. He, he's he has not changed. He at all. flexes after every bucket. This guy like, was flexing on freaking Eastern, dude. I mean, what are you <laughs> doing? Come on. Um, yeah, that's weird. But you know, he's playing at a high level. That's probably exciting. You know, little tiny kids, they would love to be scoring at that level. So um, I'm trying to give them their credit and not just Michigan bad, MSU good. But uh, um, the the matchup is going to be him versus Sissoko for as much of the game as Tom Izzo can make possible. Mati Sissoko's foul trouble or lack thereof is going to be a huge um, point of interest in this game. Because right now, and I honestly, they might change this up based on the matchup. Jackson Kohler is gonna. He's gonna get demolished. He can't. He has no <laughs> chance to defend Hunter Dickinson. A and B. I don't see how he's scoring on. I would him rather have Joey Hauser defend him than. Yeah, the Jackson small ball last year. Joey Hauser played defended him a decent amount of Breslin. He actually did a decent job. I think that you do see the small ball lineup with Joey yeah. at the five to try to pick on that, um, try to maybe make Hunter move his feet. And um, yeah, I think you're not going to see that as a like a dominating lineup, but I think you do see it because they just did it against Rutgers last night. You saw Joey play the right. five for a stretch, and it was actually pretty good um, because you're you're keeping more shooters out there, right. makes them more dangerous. Um, and all the other things that go with, you know, if you're small balling against a small ball, you're just trying to go like for like. If you're small balling against a giant big, you're trying to take advantage in the post. I mean, there's all sorts of little battles going out there at all times. Um, but like Jackson Kohler, I don't see a game for him here. Only when Hunter's on the bench do I think you probably like if he gets two fouls, I think Jackson gets a run because I don't really know who I'd rather is. see Carson Cooper out there defensively than I'd rather see Jackson. Well, that's where I was about to get. I think that Carson Cooper gets a little bit of tick this game just because of his size. I think he could. First of all, let me make it clear. I don't think that he has much hope defending Hunter Dickinson, but just in terms of like contesting, just like kind of standing Maybe. straight up, um, I think he might offer a little more resistance. Maybe he's got fouls to use. So. Um, yeah, fouls to use. That's a great point. So. That's a huge line, uh, matchup. I think that's a pivotal for Michigan in most games. Now, um, in terms of the guards, um, Doug McDaniel, who's got a smaller guard, he's their starting point guard. Um, who's going to be guarding him? If you think about the guys on the team that are going to be on the court the most, honestly, you might see... Um, Tyson Walker. You, you're probably going to see Tyson Walker. You might see a little bit of Akins, just based on the speed... Um, I think off the bounce, off the dribble, that Doug can probably take Walker to the hoop. So I'm curious to see like what they do with him. He's quick, but he's not much of a shooter. So, you know, Izzo's smart. He knows what to do with these types. Right. Um, 
That's an interesting part. I mean, then you've got the rest of the team. Kobe Bufkin's been playing very well. I am not exactly sure who guards him. Maybe Hogard. Um, Hall. Hall maybe a little bit, too. Yeah, maybe some... Yeah, Hall is probably a good candidate, but he hasn't been starting. So then you think maybe uh, Pierre Brooks. Oh, God. um, Who's not a great guard, but... um, On the flip side... What does Michigan do for state? Um, they're not like a, a stout defensive team. And if there was ever a year for Michigan State to not really take it to the hole much, this is probably in their offensive um, advantage here. Because while Hunter Dickinson's slow, he is a big body. And if they can collapse their guards around this big body who could stand out around the uh, restricted area, it makes it so you have to score something difficult. And MSU is just not a team that scores around the rim much. I mean, we're just calling it like it is. Um, The fact that MSU has got a lot of shooters, moves the ball around the perimeter a lot, can kind of just negate Hunter Dickinson on defense, you could say that is in their favor. But also, like we mentioned before, the small ball, they can get him moving. I think that's in their favor. I, 100% honest, I don't think this is a good game for Michigan. I mean, you're coming to the the Breslin where the last time they won was, what, 2018? And before that, who knows? I mean, off the top of my head, I can't think of it. Probably the Nick Stauskas team. Yeah, they did. You're right. That was it. Well, anyway. What, twice in two, 10 years? Mm-hmm. Um, that's not very good. This is going to be a snake pit. Um, I they, Actually, Michigan does play tonight, so we'll see how that goes. But um, just in terms of matchups, they're going to have some advantages on offense. But I think that this is just a team that Michigan State is licking their chops. They're going to tear them apart, <clears throat> moving the ball, shooting the ball. The really only thing I could see going wrong offensively for State is if they just can't buy a bucket. You know, just a lot of open shots aren't falling. But after seeing them shoot against Nebraska last night, um, where, you know, when you look at the stats in the end, Michigan State only shot... <clears throat> oh, they didn't play that 32% great. from no, three. Not, they did not play great. Um, I mean, they did shoot 57.5% from the field, which is pretty good, but I, MSU didn't even feel like they shot badly, and they did. Like, when MSU's hot, they shoot over 40%. Right. That's who they are. They're, I, they've got to be, what, 37, 38%? 37.5. That wow. That so that's 38th in the country. That is very good. That means you're, you know, you've got a pretty solid lineup average out there at all times of guys who, like, you're – you're like, yeah, he can make that shot. Pretty much all of them, except for Sissoko, who doesn't take them. Kohler's taken one, and so he basically doesn't take them. And that's it? Yeah. The rest are – oh, Holloman, who last time he took he, one, he hit. He actually has shot a decent – And he, he doesn't shoot a lot of them. So, honestly, this is just – you're coming into their home court. If they're, if they're getting open shots and they're dropping them – this could get ugly quick. It will get ugly quick. The only thing that really, you know, if that's happening, the only chance that Michigan has is that MSU goes into one of their, you know, slumbers where they kind of let the team go on like a 10-point run for no reason out of the half or something. 
Um, but you know, if they if they hit their first three. I like MSU's probably winning the game. I mean, it's really reducing it, but we've seen this matchup. Um, we know a lot of their players. They are not as mature as MSU, in my opinion. Um, they're coming into it. What's going to be the hardest environment they've played all season? I maybe I'm wrong, North Carolina, but this North Carolina is not wasn't a, even a true. That's home not game. a rival. Wasn't even a true home game. Yeah, like whatever. <clears throat> it. It would say a lot about Michigan if they won this game. I think it says way more about Michigan State if they lose. Um, I agree. This has got to be a win. You got to get this. Uh, you'll go to three to one, three and one in the conference because there's a bad stretch of games coming up. It's not going to get. This is just a bad year to be in the Big Ten. No nights off. Think fortunately for us, it's going to be the same for all the other teams too. So, um, you know, you got to start with a win here. And I agree with Ryan. In my heart, I think this will be a double-digit win. Um, that's my opinion. I'm mostly backing it up with the fact that it's at the Breslin. Which, if you think that I'm crazy for that, then so be it. Um, <clears throat> Alright, well, I, I don't really want to talk to... I don't want to, like, shit on the Michigan players. But there's a couple of guys that I've never really liked there. And then there's a couple that, you know, Whatever. have potential, have some, you know, they've got some juice. I, I think Terrace Reed is a good, a good I project. Wanted, I do think he's good. I wanted him to come. Yeah, I, I, I honestly would have liked for him to be on the roster. But, um, yeah, so we're just going to leave it at that. Um, we are going to forego our picks today because we're in a little bit of a time squeeze. But, you know, you guys will just have to make your rent. Uh, next week's picks um, we'll have them updated hopefully MSU is um, coming off of a win and we'll try to get a recording in before the Wisconsin game because two games next week um, you know the gauntlet has begin, begun it's basically basketball season now yep. there's one football game left right or is there a random left. bowls one okay left. one football game left thank, it is an important one thank god Michigan lost that's all I've got to say <laughs> um yeah, I'm. I don't think that Spartan Nation needs uh, <laughs> like to hear if I agree or not. So, that all being said, I am officially feeling better about the basketball team. That is just a little more though than how I was kind of like doom and gloom last pod, and I think it was rightfully so. I mean, right now MSU is forty second on Ken Palm. While that's a lot of sample without Hall, I think that's the fair, un, uh, totally objective view on the season so far. Without Hall, they were, they were trash. I mean, that's not fair, but like they... They're not very good. It was a noticeable difference, like the second he came back. Right. So none of this, in my opinion, is a surprise. I don't think we're getting carried away. I think we're seeing it how it is right now, and we're feeling optimistic, and we're hoping to be proved... Um, right or correct on that optimism but um yeah i uh i think this is a dub you think it is nope. you're gonna be there uh pretty i probably probably gonna go yeah gotcha yep. well um i guess we'll uh just say that's all there is on this one um so go green go white